Japan. One of the best prepared countries for earthquakes was hit by one last week. More than 40, 40 people lost their lives. More than 600 were injured. The 6.7 magnitude earthquake resulted in landslides that have changed the, mountains, the mountainous region. Hurricane Florence is currently one of the most powerful storms to hit the East Coast this year. And it has been moving inland, taking the lives of six people. And it has been causing catastrophic flooding in some areas and has left nearly a million people without power. These are two examples of major catastrophic natural disasters that have hit Earth and our country in the past week and give men or man reasons to fear. Now, it can be hard to imagine what it would be like to experience these catastrophes unless we actually experience them ourselves in real life. We all know that disasters are bad and that they are dangerous, but we aren't really fearful until we find ourselves in their path. So hearing about an earthquake in far off Japan or a hurricane on the opposite coast doesn't make us fear as much unless we are in danger. However, things change when calamities hit our city, or even worse, when it visits our own home. So let's try and picture some circumstances that may be easier for us to relate to. How would you respond if your world was rocked unexpectedly and then flipped upside down? If you or a loved one was diagnosed with a terminal illness and the doctors told you that there's nothing that can be done, that there is no hope. Where would you go to for help if an unforeseen trial barged in on your life? Or if all of a sudden, the job that you thought you had and fit perfectly with this, with this season of life is no longer there, and you apply to job after job after job, and no one calls you back. Where do you turn to for help? Or what if you found yourself beaten up by tribulation after tribulation after tribulation, and your faith seems to fail? Where would you hide if it seemed that there was nothing but problems out there to get you? These different forms of evil can cause us to fear. And the Bible tells us that the fear, that this fear is the result of sin's effects. And while fear is something that we all experience, the Bible also gives us comfort and security to face these fears. And if you're a, quest, a Christian, the answer to these questions is God. He is the one that we must run to for refuge. He is the one that we must turn to for help. He is the one that we must hide in when we find ourselves in danger. Our passage this morning offers us this comfort and security for us to live lives, our lives in such a way that we bring glory to the one who is our refuge and protector. 
So please open your Bible with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And we will be reading the entire chapter. It's only 11 verses. And if you're using one of the Pew Bibles in front of you, you can find it on page 471. 471. And it is my hope this morning that we would leave here encouraged with the security and comfort that the Word of God offers us so that we would go out and live lives that glorify God. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Praise God. As I previously mentioned, our passage this morning offers us comfort and security that we desperately need in this fallen world. And if you're taking notes this morning, our main point is this. God is our refuge, so don't fear, but instead be still. God is our refuge, so don't fear, but instead be still. And this makes up the three main points of this sermon. And there's no time in our lives when this biblical, biblical truth is more important than when we find ourselves in trouble and in need of security and salvation. So let's look at our first point for this morning. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. Here in verse 46, in verse 1, we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Here the psalmist begins this psalm by telling us some very important truths that set the foundation for the security that we have in God. And I want to make a few observations. And the first observation that I want to make is, first, Notice who the psalmist draws our attention to. He begins by drawing our attention to God. This God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, of everything that exists. And not only is he the one who created the heavens, the earth, the seas, and everything that is in them, but this God also preserves them by his great power. In his creation, we are pointed to the fact that he is the creator, he is the sustainer, 
And he is the ruler over everything that exists. Next, we are told that God is. God is. This two-letter word expresses great certainty. And it provides great comfort, telling us something about God and his actions. And this word is, is used six times in our passage to communicate something good about this awesome God on behalf of his people. And we find God is in verse 1, in verse 5, in verse 7. And we read, the Lord of hosts is, twice in verse 7 and twice in verse 11. Praise God that this does not say God wishes he could be. Or God wants to be. It says, God is. So first, God. Next, is. And third, our. Our indicates a specific group of people. There's a distinction being made here. According to the Bible, there's only two groups of people in the world. Those who belong to God and those who do not. There's no third group. It's either one or the other. And this is important to know because there's a misunderstanding among many people today who believe that the description that we find of God in our passage today is true for everyone, regardless of which group they find themselves in. But this is not so at least not in exactly the same way. So this passage is for God's people, those who are called and loved and kept and are kept by God and for God. It's a rock-solid foundation that we can stand on. And now that we've given attention to these three details, the psalmist wants us to know Three things about this God. And this is still under our first point. First, we are told that God is our refuge. The idea behind this is that God is a safe haven, a place of safety and protection from harm and danger. As our refuge, God is the one in whom we find unprotecting, unfailing protection. And he is the one to whom we must run to when we are in need of help. When we read the Bible, we find that King David is one who knew God as his refuge. There were many times in his life when he found himself in great danger from his enemies, from his family, even from himself. And yet David's life teaches us that regardless of what, regardless of the trials that we face, even if our life is threatened, God, the creator of all, is our protector and our refuge. But he's not just any protector. No, he is a loving protector who knows our needs, who hears our prayers, and is tender in his care for us. Therefore, we must turn to him for protection and not hesitate to run to him when we are in need. Next, 
we're told that God is our strength. And this has to do with power and might. So think of God as He spoke the world into existence. Or God as He upholds the universe and everything together by the word of His power. As God's people, we have come to understand that we are weak and dependent people. And we see this most clearly in the gospel, which shows us that we are unable to save ourselves and that we are in desperate need of the almighty God to save us from our sins. We also know that while we are weak, God is strong. God is all powerful. There is nothing too difficult for him. And he uses his power for our good. He is our strength. This is the God who the, script, the pages of Scripture tells us that He rescues His people with His power. He is the one who divides the seas so that His people can escape on dry land. He is the one who continues to use His power for our good by giving us His strength to endure and stand firm in any and all circumstances through His Son, Jesus Christ, who strengthens us. God is our strength. So God is our refuge and strength. But God is also a present help in trouble. That is, He is one who is near and is always found when we are in danger or in need of help. While it is true that God is present everywhere, He is present with His people in a special way. This is the confidence that we have in God, that He is near to all who call upon Him in truth. We call upon Him when we rightly see our dependence and need for Him. And we know that He is near to us because He tells us He is. Praise God that He is not a distant God. He is a God who is near. He is a God who is our present help. So Christian, I want to ask you this morning, do you trust God? Meaning, do you run to him when you fear? If not, ask yourself, why not? Remember, he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. God is your strength. God is your refuge. God is your present help. And these are some amazing truths that are true for you if you belong to God. But as it is with all of Scripture, our goal is to not only know these truths about God, but to also respond appropriately to them. So now that we know the foundation of our life, there's two results that having God as, every, uh, as a refuge leads us to. First, and this leads us to our second point. God is our refuge, so don't fear. Don't fear. When we understand who God is and that He is for His people, we are given the greatest comfort 
that leads us to not fear anything that might come our way. This is how the word therefore that you read there in verse 2 helps us understand this. Because there we read, beginning from verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Or, to put it another way, because God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, we will not fear. Now, there are, main, there are two main types of fear that we find in the Bible. There's a good fear and there's a bad fear. The fear of God is a good fear that leads us to reverence Him and to stand in awe of Him. This is a healthy fear that enables us to trust God and to obey Him out of love, out of a right understanding of who He is. The second type is bad and is one that we have to fight against. It's one that stems from the fall as a consequence of sin. This kind of fear is one that gets us in trouble. This kind of fear hijacks our thoughts and takes them captive, leading us to respond in ways that we wouldn't do so when we're sober-minded or thinking rightly about God. This kind of fear leads us in the wrong direction. It is this kind of fear that's being referred to here in this passage. One of the reasons for this fear is that we misplace our trust. Instead of trusting God, we place our trust in something else or someone else. And this is something that we can all relate to because we often place our trust in ourselves. It's part of our fallen human nature. We try to control our own lives by thinking that we are smart enough or wise enough or strong enough to live in this world without any help. And therefore, we feel independent or autonomous. And this is our problem. Now, what's amazing about this psalm is that not only is God our refuge, but regardless of how great your trial and tribulation or problem or adversity or hardship, we have no reason to fear. The psalmist helps us understand this by, by pointing us to something that tempts us to fear. That is, situations that are out of our control. And he gives us two examples our first example is found in nature. Look at verse, the rest of verse 2 and 3 with me. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not fear. Here we find an image of a natural disaster. And the picture that we have is that of a great earthquake that swallows up what is supposed to be one of the most secure foundations we know, mountains. And it's the mountains are swallowed up by the waters, which then roar and foam, causing even the mountains to tremble. And what comes to mind are the hurricanes that are on the news or tornadoes, or cyclones, or maybe even the big one, 
that's long overdue in our state. This can also be seen as a picture of other solid foundations that we set up for ourselves that can crumble down unexpectedly. For example, good health, a steady income, investments, all which can come down due to an illness or unemployment or a change of events or a tragedy or even death. Some of you here today may be experiencing the delivery of an unwanted diagnosis or prognosis. Others may be experiencing the recent loss of a loved one. Or still others may be plagued by the weight of not knowing how your loved one will be able to make it through the week or even today due to their financial need. These are things that can happen in this fallen world and are out of our control. And when you find yourself in an unexpected situation that you can't control, you will be tempted to fear. But today, you are reminded that you have no reason to fear because God is your refuge and your strength. You may not be able to control what comes your way. You may find yourself in a great uncontrollable situation, but in the midst of that, Remember, you have an even greater God, the God who created the heavens and the earth. And you can trust him because he is our refuge and he uses his power for our good. You belong to him by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you belong to him, you have this comfort and this security. So we are to turn to God when things are out of our control as seen in nature. But there's also another reason when we're supposed to turn to God, and that is when we face hostility with the nations. And this is our second sub-point. And we see this, or we find this in verse 6. There we read, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Here we find a picture of the nations or Gentiles spiritually, those who resist God and are raging and plotting against Him. We see this taking place in Psalm 2 also where King David writes about the ways in which the nations rebel and scheme against God and His anointed King. And ultimately this is fulfilled as man rebels and rejects God's Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as part as God, as part of God's people, His enemies are our enemies. And we're told that persecution will come to us and we will be hated by all for His sake. And when we face opposition for the Lord's sake, we must remember that God cares for us and is for us. And because He is for us, nothing can move us. We are secure in him. And we see this in four and four and five, where we read, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. But not just that, verse six 
continues, and it says that He utters His voice, and the earth melts. In other words, when God speaks and gives His word, His enemies are destroyed. God is powerful. His word is powerful. And His power is seen in His Son, Jesus Christ, who has defeated the world. He's conquered the world. We also see that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord, the one who rules the armies of heaven, He is the one who is with us. What may come to mind is when Jesus was betrayed and arrested and one of His disciples tried to defend Him. And Jesus responded, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? This is our assurance. The Lord is our refuge and strength. He fights for us, and He can and He will according to His will. And even when He doesn't answer the way that we would like Him to, or in the time that we would like for Him to, He is trustworthy and good. We trust that He will put an end to man's rebellion against Him once and for all on the day that He has established. So these are our first two points. God is our refuge, so don't fear. Which brings us to our third and final point. God is our refuge, so don't fear, but instead, be still. Be still. In light of this comforting assurance of security that we have, we are called to respond to God by being still. We see that in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. But what does this mean? We said earlier that we tend to be self-reliant, that we try to control our lives and our circumstances, but we've already seen that those things fail because there are many things that are out of our control. And be still is translated by some versions as cease striving. And the idea that is being communicated here is that we must come to a halt or to sit and relax. When we are in trouble and in desperate need of help, what do we tend to do? Many of us give in to the temptation to place our trust in ourselves, and as a result, we end up going crazy or losing sleep trying to figure things out. Your thoughts begin to take over as they are hijacked by sin, and before you know it, you find yourself in a situation Similar to this one. For example, if you lose your job, you can be tempted to, be, to begin to fear and think, no more job. That means no more income. If there's no income, then there's no food. If there's no food, then there goes my good health. And if my health is bad, then there goes my life. But if I'm not alive... What will happen to my loved ones? 
And if my loved ones, I'm not around to take care of my loved ones, then there won't be any income, nor food, nor good health for my loved ones. And before you know it, you come up with a thousand and one different possibilities that could happen. Because fear leads you away from God. And many times it leads you to yourself. But do you see what happens? Fear takes control of your thoughts. It leads you to worry about tomorrow and not trust in God today. Your fear can lead you to doubt God's promises, which is not the way that we should relate to God. God has promised to help you, and He is with you. He is with us. This is why the psalmist calls us to be still. But why? Why are we to be still? Well, if we, if we keep reading verse 10, we find, Know that I am God. Be still and know that I am not you, but I am God. When we panic and take matters into our own hands, we forget about God, and instead we try to be God. And if you've done this, you know that it never works. And if you, if you know that it doesn't work, why let fear rob you of your peace? When God says that he is your refuge and your strength and that he is in the midst of you and that he has promised to help you because he is with you. Instead of doing that, we are given an invitation to come and behold the works of the Lord. We are not called to run away from God and try to be him. No, we're called to draw near and to be still. And while we're still, we are to remember three things. First, God's works are powerful. God's works are powerful. We see this in verses 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. As a means to fight fear, remember, God's, remember that God's works are powerful. And we can do this in two ways. We can remember His works in history. When you turn to His Word and remember God's great works for salvation, of salvation for His people throughout history, your mind will be filled with ammunition to combat the fears that would otherwise lead you to not trust in God. For example, remember how God sent 10 plagues to Egypt to rescue his people as, as a response to their cry for help? He brought horror and destruction to their land as a response to their evil and a response to his people's cry for help. And when Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his armies to chase and capture God's people, what did God do? He destroyed their weapons, their bows, their spears, their chariots. And this is just one of many times that he's done this. So don't let fear rob you of your joy and of your peace and security. Instead, remember God's works in history. 
Rest in him. Be still and know that he is God. Not only that, but you can also remember his works in your own life. Remember the circumstances that you were in when he stepped in and rescued you from your sin. Remember the many circumstances that you found yourself recently where God has once again saved you and responded to your cry for help. He has done what you cannot do for yourself. So when you're tempted to fear, come, draw near and behold his great works. Next, remember that God's will is unchangeable. This is the second reason why we are not to fear. God's will will be done. Look at the rest of verse 10 with me. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When God promises something, whenever he tells you that he will do something in his word, you can trust that it's as good as done. No one or nothing is able to change his will. If God tells us that he will do something, it will come to pass. And if it will come to pass, then we have no reason to fear. This is very comforting in light of the many promises that God gives us about his great salvation in the past, in the present, and the future. This is very comforting, especially when you find yourself in trials. And we know that His will is to make us like His Son. When God allows trials to come our way, we can rest knowing that He is at work, working His good will through our suffering for our good and His glory. We must not lose sight of the big picture. His word helps us to know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, Paul says, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's will for our lives is that we would be sanctified and be made to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. And he does this even through difficult circumstances. God is at work behind the scenes of everything that happens in your life. Sometimes he will lead us into situations that are out of our control, like the passage that David read for us earlier today, where Jesus led his disciples into the boat, knowing that there was a storm coming. And where was Jesus when it came? He was asleep and at peace. And when the storm came, the disciples responded with fear and doubt, asking Jesus, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't respond with words, but Jesus does respond by getting up and rebuking the wind. And he says, Peace, be still. In other words, of course I do. Of course I care. Does this sound familiar? Because isn't this what he tells us? Be still and know that I am God. We can be still because we know that God cares about us. He is aware of our needs. He knows when we are in trouble. 
And we know that he cares and that he is doing something about it because he left his throne and came into this world to seek and to save his people. He willingly entered the worst situation. He took on our sin and received God's full wrath on himself, and he entrusted himself to the Father's good will. This same God is the same God who uses our circumstances to help us be more like Christ. Our trials serve as a way for God to grow our faith and for us to trust in Him. And He does this because trusting God is foundational for the Christian. And you can trust Him because you are His. Even if God allows the worst situation to come our way, He is good and He has promised to be with us and to be our refuge and our strength and to get us through. And the third thing that we must remember when we are still is that God is with us. God is with us. Verse 11 repeats verse 7, and it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This verse is repeated again for emphasis. And it's at this point in the passage that we have been told many times that God is with us. In verse 1, we're told that God is present with His people. In verse 5, we're told that God is in the midst of His people. In verse 7, we read that God is with us. And in 11, God is with us. By repeating this truth, we are reminded that God is present with His people. And His presence is one of the many blessings that we receive as the people of God. The Bible describes God as being omnipresent. That is, He is in all places at all times. But it's also true that God's presence is with His people in a special way, and it comes through a relationship with Him. Now, have you ever noticed that the Bible begins and ends with God's presence? being with his people. In Genesis, we read that in Eden, God's presence dwelt with Adam and Eve. But sin broke our relationship and separated us from God. Then as we continue reading, we find that the Lord was present with his people in the Exodus and his presence was located in the tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant was the special place of God's presence with His people. Then we, as we move forward in history, we find Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus' incarnation. And we have the promise that God is with us by His Spirit who dwells in us. And when we get to Revelation, where the Bible ends, we read of a new heaven and a new earth where God's people enjoy God's presence forever. Man's problem has been solved by Christ. This is true of God's people because our sin has been atoned for. Jesus has come and reconciled us to the Father by His life, death, and resurrection where we are no longer separated from God. We have been reunited to Him. 
And it is because of Christ's work that God is our refuge and strength and is with us and is our fortress. If you're visiting us this morning and you know yourself not to be a Christian, we welcome you and we're happy that you're here. And you've been hearing about the great security that Christians have in this world. And I wonder, where do you go to for comfort and protection when you're in trouble? Where do you turn? And wherever you, and wherever you turn to, or whatever you turn to, I want to ask you, does it bring you full and complete peace? Or do you find yourself looking for something bigger and better? Friends, God offers you security, the security that you desperately desire in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and he offers it to you free of charge. And you know how we read about the mountains earlier, that the most secure thing crumbles and comes down unexpectedly? Well, the Bible says that there is a day coming where the heavens will disappear with the roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This is the day of the Lord, and He will bring judgment. But today, God offers you free and full pardon if you recognize your rebellion against Him and you place your trust in Christ. There's no better news than this. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask me or um, our elder David or the person that invited you, and we'd be more than happy to share this good news with you. So to conclude, we've seen that there are many circumstances that are out of our control. And when they show up, and they will, we will be presented with a choice. We will either fear or we will look to God with faith. Knowing God brings great peace and security because we have a mighty fortress and refuge in him. Praise God that this is a gift of his undeserved grace and it is offered to us by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So when you are tempted to fear, remember, God is our refuge. So don't fear but instead, be still. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we praise you for being our God, our refuge, and our strength. Lord, we acknowledge that we don't always believe this truth. We acknowledge that we are quick to turn to other things to find our security or our comfort. Lord, but we thank you that in your son, Jesus Christ, there is free and full pardon for our sins. And Father, we pray that you would take your word and that you would seal it on our hearts and that you would grow our faith so that we would respond to our fears, to our troubles, our trials and tribulations with great trust and faith in you and that our actions would lead those around us to want to know the reason for the hope that we have in this world, and that we would be able to freely uh, testify of this grace that we have received in your Son, Jesus Christ. 
We pray that you would do this for the glory of your name. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.